You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to Arsenal Pass, episode 132. I'm Brendan Patrick, joined always by Mr. Hayden Dale here, who just got back from the calling Taipei playing Jermai. Hayden, high level. Knocked it off your bingo card, first of all. How was it? How was your experience? With the 10,000 foot view, you mean? Yeah, yeah, 10,000 foot view. I think we're going to zoom out to 20,000 feet here, but, you know, I digress. Fair enough. Um... How was my? What was the question? You know, I've completely. Just like, like, how was the? How was your experience overall? Oh yeah, so um, it was awesome. Ta- Taipei is an amazing city. I was not expecting to have such an amazing time in in Taiwan. I've never been before. Mm-hmm. Hadn't really heard too much about Taiwan either. Honestly, um, haven't had a lot of friends that have been to the city or anything. Uh, Taipei itself was yeah was amazing. Got to eat some great food. Got to explore like you know like night markets and different different areas of Taipei. Um, and then also of course playing the calling. Uh, which was a really well-run event, to be mm. honest. So on the showed up on the Friday, um, we had like the the bounty event, which we got to play in and give away some promos for for people beating us. Did um, you give any away? And also, I, I did actually. I mean, I actually ended up giving away all the promos anyway. But I did go two two. I lost. To be fair, I lost to two national champions though. Um, my two losses. <laughs> so, um, but it was it was sealed. Uh, so it was fun, four rounds, and we went for dinner, we ate, uh, and then, of course, the calling on Saturday and Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I can recap the event and talk about Jerome yeah. and we'll later, sort of later in the pod, but um, didn't end up doing that well on day two. I ended up uh, dropping, got to do some commentary, which was awesome as well. So did the last round of Swiss and uh, the quarterfinals, so I got to uh, commentate the Brody Spurlock, Nick Butcher quarterfinals, which was honestly a, an awesome quarterfinals match. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, hang out with my... My new casting uh, bros, Newson Zing and, and uh, Sam Byrne, clearly. So, yeah, this uh, this podcast, um, uh, this podcast is fully swapping over to cast now. Hayden, <laughs> still playing, but you know <laughs> they they got you on Definitely the uh, still playing. They got you in the, on the pro bono. Come come hop in the booth, but yeah, it's always fun, um, especially at an event if you don't make day two. I know in North America, Matt Rogers usually gets that treatment. Hey, I made day two. Hey, 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 I made day two. Uh, I made yeah, day sorry, two. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> my streak is alive. I've I've never dropped a day two in the past uh, three years. So, <laughs> <clears throat> wish I could say the same shit. Um, <laughs> Uh, I had what, dude. I had one thing I was just about to ask you in regards to to Taipei. I mean, I don't. I've never been there as well. But when I went to school, um, pretty much everybody that lived on my floor was from Taiwan. Uh, it, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was just kind of serendipitous. But yeah, they they only said good things, and I've heard it's I've heard it's an awesome place, and I'm jealous you got to go there. I wish that I was able to travel more to APAC uh, for for these tournaments for Flesh and Blood because I've really only gone to Europe. So hopefully we'll get out there. Maybe if they go to Thailand, they'll go for sure. Um, I I I heard rumblings of of calling Bangkok. So oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so um, yeah, speaking of speaking of rumblings, what are your thoughts on this upcoming event in Queenstown? I think it's it's like an invite only event or something like that. But there is a calling as well. Do you have a view? Are you going to it? Are you invited? Like what's 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 the stitch? Do you have any information outside of what they announced? So, I mean, we've had a couple of big announcements, right, mm-hmm. uh, over the past week. So, the first is, yeah, calling Queenstown happening in January. I think that's like January 20th to 21st or something is the the actual calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the first thing, right, so um, there is, yeah, I, I don't, I, I seen the article 
I know as much information as, as you do about the the event, which is yeah, nineteenth to twenty first. Um, as far as I know, not invited to the event. I don't know what this invite event is to be honest. I haven't said much details about it, it on is, yeah. on the um the the Fab TCG website. I understand. I think that everyone may have been invited. I don't know who the people are that are invited. Um, but my understanding is that maybe all the invites have, have gone out. So I I'm not sure what I mean. It talks about sort of like community sort of people within so it might be people within New Zealand for instance community players within New Zealand it could be um you know people who have been had a big impact on the game I'm, I'm honestly not really sure but I'm sure we'll find out at, obviously we will find out at Worlds in a few weeks who the invites are um I we don't even know what the what the event is itself like is it an actual flesh and blood tournament uh or is it more like a celebration event uh sort of akin to maybe what you get the day before Worlds sort of thing so really un- or you know like the the bounty event sort of thing really unsure Mm. um i will be going to queenstown though definitely for the calling that's very close honestly it's a direct flight from sydney to queenstown it's one of the shortest flights in new zealand it's about two hours and 25 minutes i think two and a half hours max yeah, yeah. where are you from as well are you from near there about four hours drive four and a half hours drive north of okay. christchurch so, oh in christchurch yeah. Um, um, um yeah that'd be sweet i've heard the main thing i you hear about new zealand when you go to new zealand is that because uh, for me being a texan spending a lot of time in texas i went to i went to auckland i went to the north island i was like this is gorgeous everybody's like no 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 apparently it's a south island is where where you get the true lord of the Rings scenery um and all of that um hey i want to hit you with a hot take start off the pod <laughs> dallas uh dallas calling is coming out this weekend in a few days mm-hmm. you know especially after this pod launching the Dallas calling, in my opinion, should be a limited calling. Your thoughts? Like yeah, sealed I, I, into draft. I agree. So I think yeah, the I reason it's not happening. Or, or just draft. Yeah, or yeah, just or draft. just draft. I was really surprised it wasn't because this is a format. This is a constructed format that is irrelevant relatively and um, you know, for the world championships, which a lot of people are preparing for. Um, so, I agree. But I wonder, is the reason that this is a constructed calling is because they need to like the living legend system, they need these heroes to attain living legend. Is that potentially why? I don't know if that's tinfoil hattie or if that's just like a, a potential truth, but it seems like I want to draft bright lights. Like I want to draft bright lights, especially in a professional setting for experience um, leading into mm. worlds, right? And I'm assuming it, you're the same was way. limited. Yeah, if it was limited, I would have, you know, I think I made a lot of efforts to get to Dallas this weekend. I'm not going to be there, unfortunately, but I might have even, if I knew it was limited ahead of time, I might have gone to Dallas over Taipei because I, 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 I could ultimately probably only go to one. Um, no, I don't think that's why. I think this would have been determined well ahead of time, the mm-hmm. format. And I think if you look at it from Alice's perspective, six, nine months ago, 12 months ago, whatever, when you're looking at the calendar of callings for the year and you look at you look at bright lights dropping and then you look at a, a calling in, in APAC region and a calling in North America, plus some battle hardens, South America, Europe, before we get to Worlds with the new set, that sounds exciting, right? Like, you know, potentially uh, the set, new set oh, dropped. Yeah, Ultimately, constructed the way it's, with the new set. Yeah, right. The new set, that's the reason. But ultimately, that's the funny thing, right? Ultimately, the bright lights, as we saw, uh, I mean, we can break it down, but we have the the meta game breakdown from uh, Taipei. And Dash was heavily represented. Spoiler alert, it did not convert well to day two. Um, But otherwise, you know, I think there was one max and I don't even know if there was a Tickle of Awesome played. I don't think there was. So, you know, I think Dallas this weekend could be a different story, potentially. Mm. My experience my gut everything is telling me it's not going to be it won't be yeah yeah. um that's funny that's funny that you say that because what you said is so reasonable and so rooted in truth but i will i i I promise you that this this is what happened in my brain i forgot that there was a new set of cards that was introduced to construct it i did i was was just limited (laughs) limited only set Um, uh yeah well 
Um, either way, it should be cool. I think that, you know, the sort of the heroes that are currently doing well in the meta will continue to do so, even as we sort of creep up to Dallas here. Um, it does seem like the meta is, uh, it's it's in a spot, right? It doesn't look like we're going to see a big shake unless we have some huge innovations with some of these decks. Well, yes, and we'll talk about this again in the main pod, but just a quick snapshot of that top eight in Taipei. There was three Lexi in the top eight, but there was no Lexi in the final. The event was won by Azalea. Mm-hmm. First of all, just want to talk. You asked about experience, and um, I just want to give a big shout out to Justin Q, who won the event. I don't know if you've seen the the video. So oh, I was yeah, standing I right behind Nick, watching the whole final. So Nick was on the right hand side, Justin was on the left hand side. Also, Justin, super nice guy. Before the game started, he was like talking to Nick and, and said hello to myself and said he was a, a big fan of uh, you know the videos and the gameplay and everything. Um, before he just went on to just absolutely just go nuts and play so amazingly well with his azalea deck but um this is his first calling by the way just Mm -hmm. big shout out to justin for that his first calling uh and he won the event and he was very emotional and and rightly so right he he just won a massive event and he he, he had his whole crew there from the philippines uh cheering him on and it's amazing video if you haven't seen it that's uh i did share it on my twitter so you can go check it out but yeah justin a great guy congratulations looking forward to seeing i believe he's going to be going to worlds um and doing azalea proud this weekend but yeah, Lexi, three of the top eight in the hands of uh, th- three of the best players in the event, obviously, honestly. It was Brody Spurlock playing Lexi, Nova Chan, who uh, made the finals of the Calling Singapore last year, um, and also Alan Lau, who is just one of the best players in Asia, finally making it a top eight and converting on his uh, day one sort of domination that he mm. often puts up. But yeah, ultimately, no Lexi in the final and um, one Lexi in the semifinal. So I did just want to throw that out there just in terms of talking about the shape of the meta. Yeah, and I want to dive more into that that Azalea win as well because it is particularly interesting, especially in the context of Ooh. you know Lexi, Lexi coming out and wondering where that hero is mm-hmm. at. Um, because you know with it's interesting because we talked about this when Oldham rotated out, but it felt like Oldham was you know maybe holding back Azalea a bit, but we didn't really see the res- resurgence of that hero. Um, I guess before what was that braces ban. Yeah, <laughs> that was the yeah that one hit that one hit Azalea as well. Unfortunately, yep. well before we get into that, you wanna you wanna get us with the news yes. here. Yeah. Yes. So just want to recap on events that have been announced. There's been a few things announced in the last few weeks. So the first one is this uh, four year celebration for heading to the fifth year for Flesh and Blood. Alice is hosting it in their home country in the beautiful Queenstown. Uh, if you are thinking about it, you're on the fence and you are thinking about going to an event where you can tack on a holiday. Honestly, this is going to be one of your best opportunities. I think I'm very biased, obviously, being from New Zealand, but it is very, very beautiful down there. There's a lot to do. It is a good time of year. It is the best weather in New Zealand mm. at, at that month, uh, January, February. So definitely recommend it. Um, there's a lot to do down there as well. The It's a calling. This is a very interesting calling. This is going to be the first of its kind of a calling. We're going to be playing a calling with an unreleased set. I don't know if you noticed this, Brendan, but yeah, so the Heavy Hitters release isn't for two weeks. This is effectively the world premiere of Heavy Hitters, and it's the calling playing this. So everyone's effectively going to be on an even playing field, right? Um, no one's going to have knowledge of, of what these cards are, apart from potentially some previews leading up to the event. Uh, and it's going to be sealed on day one, draft on day two, top eight draft, so fully limited calling. There is also a team's battle hardened on the Sunday. So I think this is such a cool pairing into it because a lot of people are going to be going with friends and and um, wanting to get to this place. And if you you know don't do well in a in a format that is completely unknown, then you have this teams calling on the uh, sorry the teams battle hardened on the Sunday. So very much looking forward to that. The other announcement is Pro Tour Four. So the first Pro Tour for 2024, which is what this current ProQuest season is qualifying people for, has been announced, and it is. In Los Angeles, yeah, and Brendan, honestly, I'm so thank happy God. because it's, it's not a direct flight for me. Yeah, it's not some freaking, like, I'm so happy it's not on the East Coast. I, like, 
I love y'all on the East Coast, but I, it's just like, finally, we get the West Coast. Um, LA is nice. So I saw Pablo Pintor. To be fair, we had worlds on the West Coast as well. Yeah, I know, but it wasn't nice. <laughs> i sorry. I have a bias against San Jose. My partner's from there. Um, and there's just certain things about it. Like, it's just so freaking expensive. And then it's always dangerous yeah. as well with everybody getting robbed. Um, anyway. For those wondering, especially people from the EU that are like, please, as Pablo's posting, but I like, please be different from San Francisco. LA is different. LA, um, I lived in LA for six, seven years. Um, it is, it is a city. No, it is a city of, uh, sort of good areas and bad areas, but it, mm. it's a, it's from that's my, most cities are. Yeah. That's most US cities, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, it's a really nice, it's really nice. Like the weather's nice. Um, and there's tons to do, obviously. And it's a good destination to travel to. And it, especially for all of our APAC players, infinitely easier to get to than the East yeah. Coast. So I'm happy it's in LA. Um, and yeah, uh, if you're on the fence for some reason because it's Los Angeles, I, I do recommend you go. Yeah. All, all, the, all the Oceania players, at least like Apex, like Asia in particular, is really interesting because. They maybe have the best spot for like all the events they go to unless they're in Asia and they get a decent amount are going to be like uh, one long flight, but it's generally only going to be one long flight. Yeah. It's kind of the nice thing about being, especially in like Singapore or Hong Kong um, or even Taiwan, because like the East Coast or the West Coast of the US is is pretty similar in terms of distance. It's kind mm-hmm. of smack bang on the other side, right? Almost, you know, give or take. Two flights. Um, yeah, well, for some, one flight. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... um. That's, I mean, I was talking to Brody about this. He was he was saying, you know, they, they'd flown in him and him and Matt, and um, they're kind of the way they flew. And Sam as well said the same thing. But yeah, I know for Sam, it was a, a direct flight. For instance, he's based in LA, Sam Burns. So um, yeah, I mean, look, I've been to LA once. Uh, you know, it's I'll be honest, it's not my favorite place I've been to in the West Coast. But I do agree, there was a lot of different things within LA, um, and I'm definitely biased by the fact that it's it's close to travel too. And also, if you're going to go on to do anything else in yeah. the US afterwards, being based in LA is pretty easy right yeah. it's pretty easy to go and then go to other things so absolutely and there's tons of cool uh, cool areas in california that you can go to from la la is really interesting because you're close to vegas you're close to big bear which is like mountains um you're close to san diego which is like more sort of a socal beach area then you just have los angeles which is los angeles it's it's it's, it's a good spot mm-hmm. it's definitely a cool area to have a pro tour um and a big upgrade i think from some of the things we've had in the past, so I'm hyped for it. I'm hyped for it. You know, Dallas might have been a better pick, but, you know, I'll settle. <laughs> Let's go. You guys get a calling. Um, so, the format for this Pro Tour is going to be a split between Class Constructed and Heavy Hitters Booster Draft. So, we will obviously have that Heavy Hitters World Premiere, uh, and then we will move on to the core, uh, sorry, to the Pro Tour, which is going to be happening March 21st to 24th. So, yeah, looking very much forward to it. It is, again, Brian Gottlieb posted on Twitter, you know, saying this is going to be bigger and better than ever. And the prize pool is is $200,000. So it's the same prize pool that we've had for Pro Tour Baltimore, that kind of doubled prize pool. So my question was, Brian, it's bigger and better than ever. Does that mean you're saying that we're getting multiple Pro Tours this year? We're getting two Pro Tours in the world. And uh, Brian did not. to go fuck yourself. (laughs) I was going to say he didn't comment, but... uh... (laughs) No, he screencapped the the, uh, the article. Yeah. 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 Did you see my response to it? Uh, was it something about Kano? Probably. I, I said uh, because Peter commented and he was like, "So does this mean whatever?" And I was like, "No, I think what he's trying to say is that heavy hitters is a wizard only set." Dude, I I didn't read your reply, but I knew it was going to be something about <laughs> Kano. Was it? Freaking new. Classic. <laughs> Classic. All right. Uh, I think that's kind of it on the news. Do just want to remind everyone it is ProQuest season four happening right now kicking off this weekend and it did kick off last weekend for specifically australia so i know there was a couple of events last weekend um 
but yeah, I heard an Arachne made top eight at the, the first event, so congratulations to that player. Um, maybe they were just preying on all these royal, royal dromies with their regicides, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, so good luck to everyone playing in ProQuest season for trying to punch the ticket to Los Angeles. We will definitely see you there, so looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll both be there for sure. All right. Come on, cook up. Yep. On to the command and cookout. I was going to ask you, I think I had something about heavy hitters, but um, again, I guess it's like a reoccurrence of pot. I've kind of forgotten it. I, I will ask What's you. I've remembered it. Yeah. What, what, yeah. Heavy hitters, you know? Um, what do you think that alludes to? Because I, I would say it, it evokes, it evokes some feelings in flesh and blood, right? You know, heavy hitters kind of mm-hmm. makes me think about some classes. What are you thinking? For sure. I mean, there's a lot of speculation I've seen about brute warrior guardian set has been kind of what people have been throwing around um as to what i specifically think one card that i feel and i i feel like alice has done alice have done a good job of this is like little easter eggs and foreshadowing of things to come in previous sets and you know the expansion slot is a perfect place to do that right because the expansion slot and the card that comes to mind is the um the new brute card from the set mm-hmm. from bright lights and, uh, of course, in classic Hayden tradition on the podcast, I forget card names. Um, so I'm going to quickly look that up. But there is a brute card in this in this uh, Bright Light set, which depicts, you know, a brute in a Arena. gladiatorial environment. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's a, a nod to what we're going to see in, in heavy hitters, potentially. Um, I would love a brute set, but also I would love us to go to Savage Lands. I don't know if we're particularly... It's called Smashing Performance, by the way. Um but yeah, that's that. That is the one card that I think of when I think of heavy hitters. When I see the key sort of, so, sorry, when I see the um, set sort of symbol uh, and what we've seen so far for the assets, that's that's the card I think of. I think it'll be a set that's focused on traditional combat. You know, like it's not going to have any sort of wizardry or instant spell or I, I don't know. Welcome I th- to Wraith. I think yeah, I think two I, I do think it'll be more like Welcome to Wraith. I, I do. I think that that's what the the name makes me think about. Um, yeah, which could be good, right? I think we'll have a retrospective before heavy hitters on like retrospective on bright lights overall, you know, mech only set, et cetera. But we just mm-hmm. need a bit more bit more time for it to sort of ruminate. See, you know, on the con- constructed impacts, limited, et cetera. Just give us a couple more weeks and think as we go to worlds and heavy hitters is sort of on the horizon, be like, you know, is it do we is Welcome to Wraith 2.0 we're looking for, or was Bright Lights sort of uh flash in the pan, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Command cookout. All right. Let's do it. Uh, we got a command and cookout question from last week's pod from SJOHNC. I'm sorry if, if that's not just initials and that's your name. Sorry, it's all lowercase. So um, this question is, would be interesting to hear about how smaller communities can create their own draft camps. Is it simply drafting and talking about it and how each people saw signals? How much focus is on drafting itself versus the games of the drafted decks? And do you document and scrutinize the packs in order? Mm. Is there any benefit of face-up drafting where people all try to get effectively optimal drafted decks? So this comes off the back of the limited-based podcast we did, our first take, initials, uh, impressions of draft of Bright Lights with Tarek Patel. And uh, Brendan, you just want to add quickly, I did get to do a draft at Taipei as well. The Sunday draft, the infamous, not not a team draft because, you know, we're, we're practicing for Worlds at the moment, but to get to do a draft with some players that I wouldn't usually get to draft with, including uh, Bruce Spurlock. Uh, I got to draft with a couple of the Hong Kong guys, including Pudding, who uh, kicked me out of day two. So, yeah, I didn't get any revenge, didn't get to play, but... <laughs> yeah, so Draft Camp. Um, I think, first of all, Draft Camp is <laughs> a title that's assigned to... You know, it makes it seem a little bit more complex than it is. 
I think effectively it's getting eight people together outside of an armory. Um, and then you commit to doing multiple drafts on the day or over the course of some, of some time. Um, in terms of like what you can do to increase the efficacy of a draft camp, I know one thing that we do is we uh, record the picks. So we basically, you just keep, one guy does this, right? So I'll, I'll give him a shout out. Andy, Andy T, Andy Trong here. He, we keep the packs in order or our picks in order. And then he goes back through after and records all the picks in an Excel sheet. So that you can see all the pack one, pick ones for everybody, pack two, pick ones, etc. Um, And then we actually look at that data. And we also, I think one thing that happens in a lot of draft camps is you don't, maybe you don't play all three rounds. It can be helpful to play as many games, but I think the idea is to get as many drafts in as possible. And the gameplay is a little bit more secondary to that. So maybe you draft and then you play a game or two and then you're on to another draft and you're trying to get as many of those in as possible because the cards in the gameplay is more something you can replicate with one other person where the draft is like you literally need eight people. That's sort of my two cents. Mm-hmm. I really agree with the last piece about utilizing the time with eight players as much as possible. So I think when it comes to advice, I think the best thing is really like one day, a weekend day, find eight people, you know, set it up ahead of time, give people as much notice as possible. This is the day we're doing three drafts. This is what it's going to look like. This is what we always do. Make it really clear, really clear who's going to be there. Make sure everyone's, you know, the table days for, hey, if anyone, no one can pull out, let us know. Come on. And we, we yeah. usually have a backup as well to, to call on someone if we need to. Try and get three drafts in if we're doing like a like a Sunday or something often if we're trying to make the most of it. And, you know, that might mean not playing all three rounds sometimes for a couple of the drafts. It really depends. But I think when you've got, when you're focusing on the draft aspect, so there's two parts to draft. There's the draft and there's the gameplay. And when you're focusing on the draft aspect of, of it, I think that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be doing similar things that Brandon said, focusing on what's happening in the draft itself as opposed to necessarily the gameplay. Um, and I... I mean, we don't go quite as far as that ourselves with the recording the, the picks. I personally think that the sample size of how many drafts you're going to do is going to be too small for that data to matter, is my personal opinion. I think the um, the qualitative data is more important than the quantitative, personally, when it comes to draft, because I just don't think you'll get enough reps in. So I would focus on the qualitative data, which is a lot of noting down your yeah your first picks and what put you into a hero and then discussing that after the draft so why did you draft that what signals did you feel put you into that what were the cards that were open what are the best performers in your deck what are the worst performers in your deck um i think early on in a draft as well my advice is you know brendan talked about gameplay versus draft and i agree on that but early in the format i think you should draft and play your rounds and often play more rounds so you can understand the construction of your deck and the cards that under overperformed that you rated highly or lowly and then the next part i think is draft camp aside or your draft days or your draft events aside um and also having a lot of you know seven other like-minded people really helps in this i think yeah sort of getting that sort of qualitative data but the the move on i think after that is or even before i actually prefer to do this before i get into a lot of drafting is work out what are the archetypes what are the decks i want to play and this actually for me involves a lot of not drafting but putting together um almost like sample versions of decks that i think i could expect to draft and just playing with them and just working out what are the combinations what are the lines what are the things that are more impressive least impressive to me try and work out the archetypes within that and then once i've kind of understood what i think the key cards are for those then i go and try and enact that and draft try and do the drafts with the knowledge and then see if those decks can come together and actually work out if basically my hypotheses from testing gameplay can translate into draft and then back into the results of my draft basically so yeah i mean when we were preparing for the world championships, I mean, uh, at least Sasha and I, but Hayden, I believe, was doing the same thing. We were effectively doing a 
a pseudo draft camp kind of thing without actually drafting at all. First of all, we took videos of our drafts and we would watch those videos mm-hmm. back and give feedback. Yeah. Um, but we had gauntlet decks for the for Fi, Icelander, and Jermai, which were just like, you know, a couple commons from each and just like the most median sort of deck you could possibly draft in that hero. And we just played them against each other to try to figure out what cards overperformed, what we would like more of, etc. So we got in a lot of practice with the set without actually drafting it. I don't think that's a perfect a perfect way to prepare for a format, but it's a good way to get familiar with a format. Um so that's especially if you don't have the resources, you know, maybe you only can only get to eight people together once yeah. or twice before an event, for instance, or you know, maybe even not at all. Yeah, you can keep your your draft uh decks together. Um mm-hmm. you can maybe get like three or four of them overall and just play those into other draft decks. Um but yeah for the actual experience obviously you do need eight people but I think that watching recorded drafts can also be helpful <laughs> surprisingly i agree especially when you when, yeah. when you are giving a critical eye on it i think watching passively watching someone else's content of them drafting is much is much less uh impactful than someone presenting you with a video and saying hey tell me give me feedback because then you're actually paying attention to everything and trying to sort of criticize it etc Mm, except for draft walkthroughs with arsenal pass obviously where we we talk through the full draft yeah i mean if someone's gonna do the work for you then definitely check it out <laughs> um but no i think it's a great question i think if i'm to boil it down kind of what we spoke about i think you know there's this aspect of trying to separate the draft versus the gameplay and trying to focus where you can when you have the opportunity because eight players is hard to get together uh and and focus on that that draft itself and then the gameplay is something you can actually do you know you can like brennan says keep those decks build up gauntlet decks um representative decks whatever it is play you know go to your draft and um and you know, maybe you go to draft on a wednesday and it's not necessarily the same sort of thing as your draft camp but you still get a draft and you keep your deck and you talk to about talk to it talk about it with your friends or your testing partners or whoever it is afterwards as well talk to the draft deck <laughs> understand the draft deck whisper to the draft <laughs> yes. deck i got there now okay. all right great commander cookout question appreciate that if you do want to get your questions in with the commander cookout you can do uh as this person has youtube and uh, drop us the question. If you're a uh, Spass patron, we do have a Discord channel dedicated for Commander Cookout questions. I think we have a couple in the backlog there as well. Uh, but I want to get this question out. Hot topic off the back of last week's pod. Or you can DM us on Twitter. Uh, email us at arsenalpassfab at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Brendan, main topic time. How do you want to go about this? I mean, I've got kind of like the meta breakdown. I've obviously got my experience from the weekend. Um, yeah. Where do you want to start? Meta breakdown first, then dive into the list. Okay, meta breakdown first. So there was, I believe, 200 and... So, okay, this is the funny thing. I got a little bit of a story. So round round one, I sit down. They do the player meeting. I sit down and I'm at table 141, which is the second to last table, 142. Mm-hmm. So there's 183 players registered, I believe. Someone had oh, 185 registered players. My opponent doesn't show up. I did not play round one, Brendan. My opponent did not show up. That's round one. Um. So I went and uh, went through all the tables actually before there was a, an official meta breakdown. So I, my 10 minutes is up, my match one was given to me and I immediately st- stood from my table and just hustled it around the venue to see as many tables as I could uh, to see what people were playing. But also I wanted to see what types of these decks people were playing, you know, like what type of dash decks were people playing, if people were playing dash, um, what kind of drone decks were people playing, was it decks with Tome, was it decks without Tome, I was really interested to see what kind of builds of this uh, people were playing, so kind of hustled it around, I think I put up the my metagame observations based on about 20 tables being missing because of no shows and already finished games, um, and I was 
reasonably close. I knew it was Lexi, Dromai, but I actually thought it was a lot more dash than there was. Um, there was 25, but there was also 24 Bravo. So anyway, let's go into it. So 280-something players, I think after drops, 265-ish or something. Lexi, 58 decks of the of the metagame. Um, Dromai, 41, dash 25, Bravo, 24. Katsu was the fifth most played hero in 19. And then we go into, so start to drop off really, then Icelander at 16, then Azuri, 10, Dory, 5, Reiner. Um, worth noting, I think the only hero, yeah, not played was Ticklevossen. There was one Max and two Dash IO and uh, three Riptide beating out all of those, including three Prism and three Vincent. So. That's wild. I think that, um, yeah, do you, do you think that the, 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 lo- the number of decks that were played of those new heroes is representative of their power or do you think that we'll see that equalize a bit more at like a little bit of a higher number because that that's that's very very low oh i think it definitely goes up i think you know it's the week after release players are trying to figure things out there was a lot of dash right i played three dash on day one by the way yeah that's a good um, matchup for you though right or at least it was yeah i won all of them it's fine okay. <laughs> but it was yeah, it was interesting to see. I think people had gone to Dash as the new hero. There was you know, people playing the new cards. There were some people playing kind of like Evo controlly kind of Dash. There was players with like a lot of the new cards in the Dash decks as well. Um, Twin Driver, obviously, and trying to slam down mm-hmm. his maximum velocity. So I think these three heroes, Dash IO, Max Velocity, and Max Velocity, Max Nitro, uh, and Tickle Boston will increase in their representation. But it's early days, right? I'm, I'm interested to see what happens in Dallas. I'm sure people will bring a bit more spice. You know, they've got double the amount of time than the players had with the cards. Should before. be double okay. the players as well if it falls suits of normal. And eight callings, it should be around that 500 plus mark, right? So a bigger mm. sample size. Um, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. I really want to see some some, uh, some more Tekla Boston on the battlefield. But mm. also with Max Nitro. It's like his dash does dash just do Max's deck or Max's uh, game plan better and more efficiently at this point? I wonder. It's the question. Yeah, that is. Just about day two. Yep, go for it. Conversion. Yeah. So um, day two, we see Lexi definitely converts by by far the most. So Lexi puts twenty three players through to day two. Um, Droma at nine, Katsu at six. So Bravo and Dash completely drop off. So there was twenty four Dash. Sorry, twenty five Dash, twenty four Bravo, two of each in day two. So they they both have the the hardest time in terms of conversion uh, through to day two, whereas Katsu and Icelander and Azuri have some have some very good conversion um, mm. to day two as well as the Bolton actually. I can tell Boltons you why that two happens. Speak- the Bravo and the Dash. Yeah, well, the Bravo and the Katsu. Why there was you said there was two Katsu, right? Or was it two Dash? No, 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 six Katsu. Six so Katsu, Katsu had one of the best. Yeah, Katsu is the third most played deck on day two. Just had preying on Jermai's, you think? Or- no, there wasn't even that much Jermai. Hmm. There's a reason why not Jeremiah. I, I Katsu is just really popular in, Asia. in Asia. Yeah. It's been like and, that for a long time. Um, yeah, and I, I think honestly, like there's some cards from around the table like that have helped Katsu, to be honest. And the Katsu does have power. Um so it did have you know, it could be a bit of matchup, could be a bit of gemming, could be a bit of like the deckless. I mean I played Katsu round three of day two. So I, I was two I was X and two heading into day two. Um, I won my first round against Lexi. I then got absolutely steamrolled by Alexi in the second round, and I lost to Katsu, which I, I've got to tell you my bad beat. I've got a one bad beat story for you, Brennan. That's my, I'm the one I will give you. you, you no, honestly. Uh, and I lost to Katsu uh, in, in that round. So there, there was Katsu around. But yeah, I mean, Lexi being at 23, which is 
you know, the 62, 64 players that go through. Yeah, 64 players on day two um, and 23 of them being Lexi. That's, yeah, it's obviously an impressive conversion. Dromite, nine, a little bit less impressive. But yeah, Katsu, Icelander, and Azuri's conversion was was very good. Dashes and Bravos was definitely not. Surprised to see Icelander's conversion be so good in such a Lexi-dominated meta. But that we've talked about that before where that matchup is not, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, just to piss some people off, the reason why Bravo is such a worse com- bad conversion rate is because it's a bad hero. <clears throat> Maybe that'll change in the future, but not very good. Not very good. I mean, I lost to Bravo on day one. So. Huh. What? Wow. Wait, what? How, wait, how does that happen? As Jermai. I would say this is not my event. Okay. 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 So this is my, I'm going to quickly share a bit of my event. So I played Jermai. Uh, I played the same list that, that uh, Nick Butcher played. We played the same list. He ends up finishing second, by the way. So he lost to Justin Q in the final. Uh, so made it all the way to the final. The list was, and we can talk a bit more about Dromai maybe after kind of the breakdown of the event. The list was fine. <laughs> um, I played, I think I played a round one. I played into a dash. And then round two, I played into a Vincent of all things, which is interesting. Great, great match against a great, uh, great player. Oh, sorry, round one, I, got, I had the no-show in mind. Played Vincent. Then round uh, round three, I got paired against Bravo, very good player from Hong Kong, and I did not play well. I would um, I locked myself out of Ash, Brendan, which is, uh, if you've played much Dromai, you know is an absolute no-no. So I had three turns in a row where I literally passed the turn. Mm. Not good. Not good plays. Pretty bad plays there. Pretty loose plays. Um, and then kind of got crushed from there in that game. And then uh, I, I got a nice feature match round four on, on camera, Brendan. I love those. I love those. They're my like. It's Rhino. I know. I know. I know. Mm. Like I said, it goes into my my little collection of Hayden of Hayden feature matches that I watch back every night. <laughs> yeah, well, you can have a couple of Rhino ones there, and uh, I played against uh, Jose, who's from Singapore. I've met you know a few times actually, and uh, I saw the pairings come up. I was like, oh, I was saying to someone, I was like, okay, like I took my loss. I'm feeling a little bit bad about it. I feel like I didn't play well in round three. I'm gonna bounce back here in round four. Refresh pairings. Jose Lau. I'm playing against Reinar, man. Like, <laughs> oh, man. So, I rock up. And I'm like, just praying. I know Jose also plays like Azuri. So, I'm just like, oh, man, maybe he's playing Azuri this event. I'm like, Jose, what are you playing? He's like, Reinar. I'm like, oh, come on, dude. And then we sit down and then Newson Zing rocks over from LSS. And he's like, yeah, you guys are on feature. Like, okay, of course we are. Uh, thanks. Because actually, I think I said it's Newson. I was like, oh, man, I just need to dodge Reinar. And then like, Reinar. And then Newson's like, I'm going to put you on stream. Cheers. And then uh, Jose proceeds to win the die roll, decides to go first. Turn zero, Blood Rush Bellow, puts me to 33 on turn zero. Uh, and then plays another two Blood Rush Bellows in the next three turns. <laughs> Basically, you know, uh, pretty one-sided game, I'd say. But uh, no, it was good. And then three rounds left, I played, I think I literally played three dash in a row. Those last three rounds, I'm pretty sure. Or no, two dash in Azuri is what I ended up playing, sorry. Played Azuri in the last round for, for day two. Won those. And then, yeah, won against Lexi on round eight and then lost to Lexi, lost to Katsu, decided to drop. That was that was my event, just to quickly recap. Yeah. I mean, it happens. Hey, soon enough, you'll, you'll, sure. you'll retire from pro play and start casting. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's the first event I've dropped from, I think. Actually, like first calling level or higher event I've ever dropped from. So it was, it was a weird feeling when I ticked the box. It's literally the first time I've ever been in an international event and, and ticked the drop box. I've just not been in that position before. So it felt... I definitely felt like I had failed to a degree, but then I kind of looked at it retrospectively. I was like, yeah, I didn't play that well in a couple of rounds, which is on me. Um, but okay, just quickly, Brennan. Okay. Round 10, <laughs> the round I dropped. This is also what forced me. This is what made me, gave me the confidence to tick that box and drop and decide to stop playing. Um, 
I am playing against Pudding Tam, who's from Hong Kong, very good player. He's part of Blue Pitch. He's playing Katsu. And I kind of open a pretty bad hand with like a blue. I'm playing three blues in my deck because I'm on the, the tone plan. I open with a, a blue. And then on my turn, I gold, break my gold coin. I draw another blue. And I'm like, oh, I have two blues in my hand. This is so bad. Okay, all right. Get rid of these blues, whatever. Don't really do much on my turn. Two turns later, I draw Tomaltai. Oh, sorry. The turn after, I draw Tomaltai. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, we're cooking. We're cooking. And I draw Tome in the same hand. I'm like, okay. I can. I just have to take the damage here. He just comes in because I see and see the the turn before, and he just comes in with the e strike. So just seven damage. I eat the damage. I play my Tomaltai. What's on top of my deck, Brennan? My last blue in the deck mm. is on top of my deck. The bad beat story. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. One blue left in my forty nine cards, forty eight cards, whatever it is. That's, that's, the, that's, a, that's the dance you do when you put that many blues in your deck. You have five. Oh, wait, because you side them out, so you only have three. Side, side them out. out. Play three in the matchup. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, anyway, that's my bad beat story. All right, well, let's talk about the top list. Top eight. Oh, top eight. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let's talk about top eight. Let's talk about the rest of the events. So uh, top eight ends up being uh, three Lexies we talked about. So Alan Lau, Nova Chan, and Brody Spurlock, all on different parts of the bracket. So two on one side, one on the other, but in different matchups. Then we have a Bravo. Uh, Yong Tech playing Bravo. We have Justin Q on Azalea. We have a Reiner on top eight. Mm-hmm. Hong Bo Wei playing Reiner, who uh, had been doing, you know, he'd been on feature, I think, one or two times. Um, and then we have uh, Yong Zhao, who is playing Azuri, uh, also making top eight. Then Nick Butcher on Dramai. So that was that was the top eight. So pretty diverse top eight, right? And I think a couple of surprises in there. You know, Bravo did not, two Bravos made day two from the 24 or 25 that are being played, one of them in top eight. Um, one of these aliens, one of the Rhinars, who are also pretty lowly represented, uh, which is which is quite interesting. So very diverse top eight, mm-hmm. six, six different heroes. Yeah, I know. LSS is very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so we go to top eight. Uh, Alan ends up taking out the Bravo on one side of the bracket to set up a matchup with Justin, who beat the Rhinar, and then Yong Zhao beat Nova Chan. So the Zuri goes through, and uh, Nick on stream, so you can go back and check out that match against Brody Spurlock, great game, ends up beating Brody and then sets up a you know a very good matchup for himself to beat the Azuri going through to the final. And then Justin, as he's been doing all weekend, just eating Lexis. I think he played seven Lexi in the mm-hmm. first nine rounds or something, he said, um, or seven of ten. Already beaten Allen in... Um, or did he... Yeah, I think already beaten Allen in Swiss. Gets a rematch against Allen, beats him, goes through the final against Nick, and a very, very interesting final. Definitely recommend checking it out. Um, I think the matchup has always been, well, by a lot of people, perceived as Dromai favored. And I think whether that has been true in the past, I don't think that's necessarily true now, especially with Tomes and sort of the, the deck looking very, a lot more vulnerable to what Azalea can do in going tall. Um, yeah, Justin putting on a, a bit of a masterclass in that game, playing very, very well. So, very interesting final. Do you think Azalea's deck we'll see more of moving forward? Yes. Yes, I think so. I think Justin showed exactly what an Alexi heavy field um, with also Dromai hanging around that uh, Azalea can uh, can really do, especially if people are playing these more royal based builds. So I expect to see more Azalea this weekend. I, I think anyone who was like unsure about a deck that they wanted to play and has any kind of experience with Azalea or Ranger might very well change to Azalea this weekend for Dallas. I would expect to see, you know, a lot more than what was what was it for this this weekend? It was like the, the ninth most played deck or something um, in Taipei. I expect that to be, you know, less than that. It was the 11th most played deck in Taipei, seven copies. I expect to see, you know, somewhere around the 20 mark for Dallas at least. And if we extrapolate to the World Championships, Lexi's banned, <clears throat> we we would assume that more aggro decks come to the format, in the yeah, whether it's Phi or Katsu. Um mm-hmm. And then Icelander rising in popularity as well. I mean, Lexi is quite good against 
both of those fronts, right? Like Lexi really plays on the aggro Azalea? decks. Uh, sorry, yeah, Azalea is really good. Like really, really, really plays uh, plays on the aggro decks. Um, things like Katsu, things like Fi. And then um, it's pretty good into Icelander, I'm, I'm sure. So it mm-hmm. seems like it might be really well positioned. And then, <laughs> funny enough, <laughs> maybe Bravo. Was yeah, well, funny enough, oh. maybe Bravo is is maybe it's not a great matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, honestly, I think Worlds is shaping up to be really interesting from that meta once Lixie leaves. You know, there's obviously all these new mech cards and the new mech heroes. But beyond that, there's other decks that are maybe being a little bit gatekept at the moment, right? So, um, I mean, we saw Reinhardt put up a top top eight alongside the Bravo. Those are two decks that's like, okay, when Lixie goes, do they do they get better, right? Um, yeah, it's super interesting. So, but also Bullseye Brace is potentially coming back as well. Yeah, with 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 the Lixie. So Azalea is looking really good. I mean, so then the only the only deck I didn't bring up and I didn't really account for is Dramai, but you just said that the Dramai matchup is not as favorable as people have seen. So seems like Azalea could be in a really good spot then. Look, Dramai had, you know, the second most played, only puts one player into top eight. Um, yeah, Dramai was... <laughs> Dramai did convert okay to day two, but honestly, when I looked at the top tables towards the last two rounds, there was not a lot of Dramai at those top tables. Um, and I think a lot of it, honestly, was the builds. It was It's really tough to know right now. Like, I'm probably going to put out... I put out a... Well, I, I shared my deck list, and you can see that. We'll drop the link in the comments below. Um, the deck list, same as what Nick played from the event. And it was a deck that had no Crown of Providence. It is tome-based. Um, it is kind of trying to min-max like what tome turns look like. And honestly, it feels there's like tome is so anti-synergistic with a lot of the best things that Jeremiah can do. So it's really tough to find the right build. I saw people playing next to me playing like um, Flame Call Awakening and like much more aggressive mm-hmm. kind of redline builds of Jeremiah. And then I saw them losing to Icelanders because of it. Um, I saw, you know, that's why Icelanders did well. I saw players playing, you know, more traditional no-tone builds, for instance. And I was like, please pair me into them because I feel good about the mirror. Um, 22 rounds between myself and Nick, we didn't play a single mirror, despite Drama being the second most played deck, which is a matchup we definitely wanted to play, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think the builds has a lot to do with it. I just think that there's a lot of time. I mean, someone at Dallas might have a become of them. In fact, they will. Someone at Dallas will come with a much better build than anyone played at Taiwan, I think, and and will have a better success. But we'll we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, we've been talking about the poor conversion of Jeremiah literally since the year's inception. Actually, the since the inception of its predecessor being Prism. Has been, I was gonna say it hasn't been as bad as some of Prism's time. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, Prism. <laughs> let's not get into it. All right. With the deck list. What uh, outside of the anti synergy that you talked about in regards to tome? Mm-hmm. What else did you were you not really feeling the day of? Um, like what what was what was not coming together in regards to the deck list specifically? Because I know you said you had some matchups maybe didn't play super well in like a match or two. Um, what about mm-hmm. the deck list though? Is like is underwhelming post post events. So I think a lot of the so I did do some testing in the lead up to the event, but. You know, my focus now is kind of turning to, to Worlds a little bit and um, haven't had to time to see as much as I want to. So I did change, we did change the deck list in the kind of days leading up to it. And I changed mine significantly. Actually, I moved more towards what, what Nick was doing. Um, and then we did change a few cards the day before. And some of the cards like were really theory-based and some of the numbers in the deck were, were quite theory-based. And that just, you know, as that always turns out, yep. not always the best. So, and especially when it messes with the way you want to play games. So like, I felt like the way I sideboarded into Bravo, for instance, when we played was just incorrect. Like I just sideboarded incorrectly and then played like an absolute donkey. But um, I, I do think that kind of, you know, some of the cards and the ways, the combinations of hands, I think. Like for instance, one card that was so underwhelming in this tone build 
and with the kind of mid of the way it shifted it was like Nicria. like Nicria felt so bad which previously to me Nicria's felt like one of the best dragons but it's really changed the, the dynamic of the mirror in particular has changed uh, because of time it's become a lot more snowbally honestly it's a less interesting matchup to me but um Nicria used to be one of if not the best dragon in the matchup and is now one of the weakest mm-hmm. uh i think the other thing as well was like we played a, a snatch and snapdragons package which i actually think was good but it did kind of mess with the equipment slots a little bit and make me feel a little bit more settled to to lexi when going second not having the, the block that i want um so a couple of things like that it was kind of the i guess the the, the main things of it and also just yeah just to kind of touch on these anti-synergies of time it's like one of the best things I think Droma can do in these these you know dragon heavy builds, these these builds that are looking to be value oriented, which I still think by far is the, the better version of the deck. By the way, um, when you have a bunch of defensive cards, but then you have Tome, that's an anti synergy, right? Like you are trying to create space to play your Tome, and you need to do that by getting on the front foot so that you can have these five card hands or four card hands. And the defensive cards aren't necessarily the cards you want to do that. And then also, if you draw the defensive cards off Tome, it's not progressing your game state. So. There is definitely an synergy there, and, and tomes might just flat be better in these red line builds. And I do think the red line builds got the biggest bump from what we've seen from bright lights with the tome when it comes to dromai. But yeah, there's just there's just some real dichotomies with like how you build dromai right now, no matter which kind of version you play. And and it comes down to how tome interacts with a lot of what you're doing with your deck, um, plus what cards you're trying to put in. Like some of the cards that felt like some of the best cards in dromai previously now feel like some of the worst cards when you play tomes. So mm-hmm. it's hard. <laughs> is uh is Joe my hero that you are still looking at for the world championships now that you had um the underwhelming performance i mean your teammate with the exact same list did pretty freaking well uh is has this has this yeah. hero started to sort of pop off your radar at all post performance no 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 look i mean i think Dromai is still very strong, right? And I mean, Tome is, an, is it weird to say a card gets added and a deck feels weaker? Like that, that's, it's more about deck building, I think, and more about philosophy of, of the matchups and, and yeah, a lot around that deck building side of it, plus some game plans. Um, I think for, and like you say, right, Nick made, made, made second, mm-hmm. uh, came second in the event. You know, I, I might not have done as well as I want to, but you know, not every event are you going to be able to top eight or top 32. Like that's just realistic. So I'm, I'm not down on Dromai because I didn't put up a performance with it, right? Mm-hmm. But I do wonder what the meta is going to look like post Lexi. Um, and also the other, the other thing I didn't talk about is Lexi has really adapted to Dromai, I think. Like the list that the Hong Kong players showed up with was in particular, which seemed to, they always seemed to innovate a lot with Lexi. They did it in, in Singapore and they did it again in, in, uh, in Taiwan, was really geared towards punishing Dromai. Um, and all the sort of the adoptions of like ice quakes and lightning presses uh, have really kind of, of hurt hurt Lexi plus also just uh, sorry Dromai plus also just the way that they play into Dromai people have learned a lot about how to tackle Dromai as Lexi so your teammate had a good result you know what a lot of yeah. people would would uh articulate as a good result do they do they share For the sure. same sentiment in regards to the list maybe not being uh tuned at the moment yeah yeah okay. yeah we've talked about it for sure yeah uh but but Nick will be in Dallas I don't know what he's going to play I know he's been wanting to not play Dromai he's been testing a few other things been testing a few different decks potentially for this weekend uh so i don't know what he's gonna end up playing i think he, he did have a little spicy brew he, he played with me the other night uh, i'm not sure if he's discouraged from playing that or not but we'll, we'll see <laughs> uh but he could be back on drama as well with a refined list um and there's progress this weekend i'm looking to play a progress this weekend i'll i think i'll probably end up playing Dramai with some of the thoughts i have now post so I've, i i literally sat in the airport I had three hours sitting in the airport waiting for my flight 
after the event, obviously, you know, not doing as well as I wanted to. And I just thought about the way I would build Dromai for three hours. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to share the list uh, before the weekend and I'll probably play Dromai this weekend unless I play Katsu, Brendan. Katsu? Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with that. You might you might give Bravo players a reason that their deck is not terrible if you play some Katsu. Um, oh, but there's there's uh, there's there's uh, sixteen defense reactions in my deck. Oh, so that's what I'm talking about, baby. Speak my language. We're, we're playing spaghetti tornado. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was one thing you said in regards to sideboarding, which I think is really funny. So I think that a, what can happen is that very good and intelligent players can come together and they can create great decks, and then somehow they can just be total dumbasses on like a single matchup or this other matchup where they just make the worst sideboard plan. And then it's immediately apparent as soon as you play that matchup, you're like, how the hell did I come to that conclusion? I've been in that situation, I think more than once. And I'm just like, we literally put five of the brightest minds or, you know, very bright minds in a room. And we came up with probably the worst sideboard plan that could pos- that could be conceived into this matchup. And it's just like, it's just such an enigma. I think it's why it's important to actually play those matches out. Cause like sometimes we'd be like, oh, bravo kind of a bad deck you know we just sideboard like this I, it, it happened i remember at the the first the calling auckland where sasha and i we were playing a literal drone uh flick flack fatigue deck we're like oh in the consumer you just take out all the flick flacks and you just like and i in me two minutes in the match i was like what the what have i done <laughs> what have i done i took out my best cards <laughs> um but yeah it's crazy how that can happen anyway hey, anything else yeah. you want to oh go ahead no, no i was just gonna say <laughs> i think you especially if you you have really influential friends or your friends that are really passionate about the way they talk about the game and they they talk with authority <laughs> because they're experienced and they're very good at the game. I think you can be swayed. Yes. And I definitely felt like my experience this weekend was, um, you know, some of the things that I felt originally, I was like, oh, I was really unsure about my thoughts from testing. And then after the weekend, I was like, no, I had the right thoughts in testing. I think I just wasn't as confident on some of the things I wanted to do that I should have been. So I think not so much like there's a little bit deck list and, and that's whatever that can be refined but there's also some gameplay stuff and some plan and the way that i want to plan certain matchups that i definitely felt like i went backwards on from nationals in the weekend card gamers so. tend to speak in absolutes uh, especially content creators even me like i said bravo sucks bravo doesn't literally <laughs> suck it just kind of sucks um they tend to speak in absolutes and like you will get you will get mm-hmm. pulled on a matchup because of some of the rhetoric that gets used like i mean when you're playing kano like and i know this is like kano clock number five on this this episode but like you know we say like a matchup's a buy it's not literally a buy it's not literally a buy, but if you just if everybody goes around saying that matchup's a buy, you kind of forget that like it's a legit matchup. It might just be like 60-40, but you really got you still got to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, card gamers they just speak in absolutes, man. They're convincing. They're convincing. This is very true. It's very true. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's as each individual player, it's up to us to just kind of understand that that is that is a thing that happens <laughs> and just take that as as what it is, which is an opinion still. Yeah. Um, the same way that you listen to us in the pod, you know, we're sharing our opinions. Yeah, objective uh, even facts. if Brendan does. Yeah, does talk objective facts when it comes to Kano and Bravo specifically, and uh, Illusionist. And everything else, yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, I definitely do in some ways, so that's right. Anything else you want to say in regards to the weekend, the list, um, you know, looking towards Worlds, etc.? I mean, maybe, like, what, what are you going to do about drafting, Hayden? How are you going to prepare for the World Championships? Well, so this is the thing. I got to Sunday afternoon, and I was, like, I was scrambling around the venue, like, who wants to draft with me? Like, I need draft practice. So I managed to pull, pull together seven other fantastic players players who are very well renowned i was like give me some international flavor in here you know like teach me how you guys draft um 
but that is kind of my plan is just to draft at every opportunity and do some of what we talked about in the in the pod earlier in the commander cookout which is do a bit more theory crafting do some gameplay outside of my drafts with some representative decks and some ideas i have around what archetypes might look like and then try and get as many drafts squeezed in as i can to to see if those plans are, are what i want to do i might end up you know even potentially honestly i could see myself in a world where i come up with a plan that involves me forcing at worlds yeah which is not something i've ever done in a draft format before but with my limited preparation time that that's on that's on the table like i'm not saying i'm going to that i'm just saying it's on the table as an option um i will be i leave i mean to be fair i still have three weeks here in, in sydney before i before i leave um so i will try and get as many drafts as possible there's calling melbourne happening in two weeks time which i'm super excited about by the way uh, a couple of friends coming over for that so i'm probably going to get a couple of bright lights boxes on on the friday evening be like you guys are drafting with me we're doing two drafts tonight i get that there's a calling tomorrow but also you have to draft with me yeah was there a, was there uh, a limited battle harden in taipei yes there was so this is <laughs> Crazy, yeah, I love crazy this. top eight. So I need to. I'm going to find out more about this because um, a friend that I made over the. Oh, I'm going to call him a friend. One of the blue pitch guys who they took us out to lunch on on Friday uh, before the event. Jack Tang, who's part of blue pitch, he he made the top eight of the battle hardened. But there was um, five Ticklevossen and three Max uh, in the draft pod. Let's talk about how they all got there and yeah. sealed Aiden. Oh, I don't know. Eight Ticklevossen. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I just want to I, shout, mean, I just want to give no. a big shout out to Chris Gehring. He's a big fan of my ratings on cards. Just proof is in the pudding, brother. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, look, I think we we got some items wrong, but yeah, Tickle Watson is obviously very good. I will. I think we got some items wrong, but I do think that items are bad. Like, I would be happy to say items are bad as a baseline, and then you got to work up from that. Because no defense cards, this like conditional BS is like you have to you're you're starting from behind with an item with an item in flesh and blood, especially ones that consume action points and block for zero, which is pretty much all of them. Um, but yeah, Tekla Vossen, I believe it was eight and sealed. Could be wrong. Um, I'm 100 percent sure that you were correct about the top eight in terms of draft. How there wasn't a Dash I IO that snuck into that draft is unbelievable because Dash IO. I need to find out what happened there. Well, da- I think Dash IO is very powerful. Exactly. So. I I agree with you. I think Dash IO is. Theoretically very powerful. I will get more experience with them going to draft literally right after this. Um, Dash IO is the one I have my eye on because the math is good. But again, Dash IO, jumping through hoops. And if these other heroes don't have to jump through hoops, then uh, maybe it's just not consistent enough. But surely it's consistent enough if you're the only Dash IO drafter in a pod. That should that should happen, Satan. Um, like there are pods, like high level pods that will train wreck to just absolute oblivion. I mean, these probably didn't train wreck because they all had playable cards that weren't playing bobbles because it's a mech only set. Um, but we've seen this kind of stuff happen before. You know, five Briar, one old him, and it's just like it's it happens. Um, no dash, I was surprising, but the sealed is the sealed is the most. It's just interesting to me because um, I do think that I, I, I would say it's vindicating, right? You know, I'm probably just being a bit results oriented, but I do think that is an accurate representation of sealed in this format. To be honest, I played Max on Friday, um, but there was a lot of. Oh, you played awesome. it. You pl- Oh no, Friday. I played Friday, Max Friday, in the Friday. sealed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Friday sealed. Um, if this is an indication of draft that you want, so that was that's the Battle Hardened top eight, eight very good players, eight players who had just fought their way to the mm-hmm. Battle Hardened top eight, and um, I, I know some of those players. They are very very good players. A little bit of a, I guess, an anecdotal piece. We drafted on Sunday. Like I was saying, I got to get the players to draft on Sunday to get a draft, and it was, you know, you you know a lot of names. It was like it was Nick Butcher. It was um. Shing from from Hong Kong. Um, Brody was in the draft. Uh, Matt McInnes. Um, I'm sorry, who else I've forgotten in the in the draft? I'm trying to rattle. Uh, Sam Sutherland, Australian national champion, uh, calling Auckland champion. A lot of trophies in this uh, in this in this top eight draft in this top eight draft in this draft that we did on Sunday. 
three dash io three max two tickle of awesome was our split mm-hmm. yeah so interesting <laughs> we just need more data at this point you know a lot of people I, mean, I this draft format at this point hasn't had a ton of time to mature i'm sure there's a play group out there that exists that has done a lot of drafts um, for sure definitely but that play group right now is not us so tentative on draft definitely isn't tackle Lawson owns and sealed though it owns it's good not that yeah, that, it's not that, that matters. <laughs> Unfortunately, there should be a, there should be a limited calling with bright lights. There really should be where sealed would be a format. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, it doesn't matter unless you're playing battle. I'm super excited to play more draft though. Like Same. I really, I'm I've going right after this format so far. I'm going right yeah. after this. What? Jealous? Give me, give me the number one tip. You know, you only one one little heuristic. Give it to me. Um, signals exist. Like there are signals, and I think paying attention to those signals is really important for finding an open lane it's really hard to it's just as, it seems easy to force a hero because of this all makes set, and it's it's not like there is really key cards for heroes like if you get cut off of evos and good evos tickle is going to be dog if you uh try and force dash and you don't get the good red items it's going to be terrible if you i think max is maybe the easiest hero to force because you there's a few different archetypes in max but that might just be my experience so far because i've spent the most time trying to understand max but yeah i just got to point out the juxtaposition of i might force a hero at worlds signals matter <laughs> i no, exactly this is what i mean i mean i might come up with a strategy i'm saying it's on the table um because of my time but honestly like my read from especially my draft on sunday like i was set on the left of coin champion and mm-hmm. national champion sam sutherland and passing to passing to jake mccormick who uh narrowly missed top eight at the, at the calling came ninth i believe um and i was just like sam just immediately like put me into dash he like passed me a couple of red protocols and uh, another red item coming was and i was like I, I mean he's just cutting off he's just cutting off the the tickle wasn't here or the mm-hmm. max or whatever it was and i'm just i'm in dash i guess yeah super interesting all right well hayden even though it didn't work out for you this weekend um i'm happy you're able to compete taipei is an awesome place to travel to and i'm excited to Amazing. see what you come up with uh for the world championships i will be casting the dallas calling this weekend um sasha markovic is currently staying with me he will be competing i think there's like a 90 percent chance of that um <laughs> yeah, yeah i think it's less than that but all right yeah classic sasha um classic and yeah, so we'll we'll see on this weekend how the meta turns out. It's it's interesting data. I'm, I, I'm particularly interested to see if Azalea catches catches on a bit more because mm. uh, only up for that deck, only up from here, I think. So yeah, um, for those of you listening, if you're listening to this on pod platforms, there's a video version of this on YouTube um, at youtube.com slash Arsenal Pass. If you're a fan of the pod, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the number one thing you do to help us out. Uh, Twitter's are BrendanAPG at Fien underscore Dale. Um, and with that, I just want to say thank you to all of our patrons. Hayden did post his list up there, and we'll get some lists, um, some deck lists, and de- some deck decks going uh, in lead up to Worlds. Hopefully, in the context, we'll probably try to reach out to people in the context of the expected metagame of Worlds, so those those decks can be relevant for people playing that event or people interested in having sort of the best decks around that time. But yeah, just big shout out to the Arsenal Pass, uh, the Arsenal Pass patrons, and thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.